Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Okay. Um, I bring you greetings from our household. Um, let's see. Um, and it's a pleasure to be here with you. Um, I enjoyed spending time yesterday with some of uh, the members of your congregation yesterday, uh, where my husband and I had a chance to share a little bit about um, our ministry as well. Um, so I, I just want to start off with prayer and just invite the Holy Spirit to be the one to speak with you this morning. Father, thank you so much for your presence with us. You said we're two or three gathered together, that you're in the midst, and we know that you're here, Lord. And we pray that you would be exalted, that you would be glorified. Pray that you would just, I just present myself to be used of you, um, to speak your words, to share what you want your people to hear. We ask that you just be glorified today, Lord that you be exalted, that your purposes would be accomplished. Just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so actually after um, Pastor Gus spoke, I just wanted to say amen and we can go. (laughs) But um, I want to start off first with um, just a little video. Uh, Let me see if I can figure out how to do this. Yeah. We're getting there. Okay. Uh, Just a little video for you to watch, and then I'll come back with you. When we hear about sharing the gospel to unreached nations, it usually seems irrelevant to our lives. But on the contrary, the Bible points to the fact that sharing the gospel to all nations is the central drama of the human stage. We have to wait to see that the movement of the gospel determines the course and the place of human history. This gospel kingdom shall be preached in all the world where witnesses to all nations, and then until the end comes. So, what does this have to do with us? What is God's plan? Only one thing: to rise up as workers for His purpose. But God's vision, what it is that he wants to accomplish. And so our call for our family and for all of us here, he says that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So we are chosen, but we're chosen for a purpose and not just to live life the way we want to, but to live the life the way he wants us to. Um, and so this is our family. Uh, wait, there's a thing here. To, I can point. I can use for point. That's all right. Um, the first picture is um, 
uh, when our family went out in 2006, and um, our daughters were okay, thank you. Our daughters were, um, yeah, here, um, pretty young, three and six years old, and uh, and then now this is our family today. When we went out, we went out with um, International Fellowship of Alliance Professionals, which is part of CMA. That's what it was called at that time. It's like the tent-making arm of CMA. And today it's called Marketplace Ministries. I'll talk a little bit more, a little bit more about that. Um, our daughters, um, Yaira, is a freshman at Cedarville University. Uh, she's getting ready to finish, uh, we hope, um, <laughs> in computer science. Uh, she's, she's, she's struggled a little bit, but we're praying that she'll, she'll hold on. Um, our youngest daughter, Mia, is uh, 15. Well, she'll be 15 in a couple weeks. And she's a sophomore at uh, CVCA, just not too far from here. And um, she's almost 15. She's a teenager. <laughs> the pastor talked about prayer. Oh, yeah. We've been praying a lot. So... Um, and so, how did our family um, get called to the place where we are? My husband is originally from Ghana, and um, he was the first one in his family to go to university. And so his idea was that he was going to go to university, he was going to stay in school for the rest of his life because he didn't want to work on the farm like everybody else. And um, and so while he was at university, he got involved in a campus ministry, and they took a short-term missions trip to Mali. And while he was in Mali, he met this Muslim, and this Muslim said to him, we're Muslims because there's nobody here to tell us about Jesus. And that just hit him in his heart. He couldn't forget that. And so he just felt God calling him to minister to Muslims. And so he began to pray about that. And... Um, and as he was reading through Operation World, uh, which is a book that talks about all the countries of the world and what the state of the gospel is, he got to this one country, and it said it was 100% Islam, no known Christians in the country. And when he got to that country, God said, this is where I want you to go. And you'd have to ask him to tell you the, the whole story. There's some really fantastic things that God did to really... Um, confirm that that's where he wanted him to go, but that's where we're serving today. Um, so I'm originally from Alabama. My husband's from Ghana, so you might say, how did that work? <laughs> well, God. Um, I, um, my background originally is engineering, and I was working for a Department of Defense in the D.C. area. I finally found a church that I wanted to attend. I had taken short-term missions trips. Um, when, when I first started working, I, I really always felt that I should be doing something a little bit more, a little different, that had a greater uh, impact in people's lives. And a friend invited me to consider taking a short-term missions trip. And so that was, this was quite a number of years ago, and that was the first of short-term missions trips that I took. And, um, and I felt that, yeah, I should do something like this, but I didn't feel where God was really calling me to, to a particular people or a particular place. And so I thought, well, maybe he just wants me to continue in my career. And when I relocated to the D.C. area, that was my thought. But I 
finally found a church I liked. I went there. The first thing that they were saying was a short-term missions trip to Ghana. And I said, well, I'm done with that. But the leader of the team invited me to pray about it. I prayed about it. I said, Lord, I'm not going to use my funds. If you want me to go, provide. I sent a few letters out. The first couple of letters I got provided the whole thing. And so I went. That's where I met my husband. Um, It wasn't my plan, but God. Um, And so while I was there, um, I was struggling with the Lord about that decision. I felt that he was calling me to to, uh, long-term missions, to live somewhere, sharing the gospel with Muslims, because I felt that's what he was calling me to. We were in a Muslim village at the time. I was awakened by the Muslim call to prayer at about uh, midnight, and I couldn't get back to sleep. And so I went off someplace just to struggle with the Lord, you know, kind of like Jacob did, and um, just really struggling with him. And just, you know, he encouraged me. He said, you know, I've taken care of you all these years. Look at the lilies of the field, the birds of the air. I provide for them. We were in a little village that just had the thatched roof hut. And so I'm thinking, this is where God is calling me. And so I said, okay, Lord, if this is where you want me, I'm willing. I heard these words. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And I thought that was in the Bible. (laughs) And so later on, I was looking, I was looking, "Ah, what verse is that? But then I don't remember ever hearing the Jim Elliott quote, but it was a quote by Jim Elliott. And we know, you know, how he and others sacrificed their lives. And so, um, so I, I yielded. I said, yes, I surrender, Lord. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I will do that. And so this was the same time where I met my husband. He had a call for him to go to this particular country, and so that is where we've been serving. And the pastor mentioned some of the information about the country. It's in North Africa. Um, it is um, part of the, it's in the Sahara Desert, pretty much almost all desert. So I'm so happy to be able to wear boots. <laughs> um, it's uh, 99.8% Muslim. Before, it was 100%. So praise God. God is on the move. Um, we will take what he will give us. Uh, there is a high level of poverty, but there is a, a percentage of the people who are pretty wealthy. Um, they don't really share their wealth with the others. Um, It's one of the last countries, or the last country, to actually abolish slavery. There are still maybe about 150,000 people who are still enslaved, and it's a generational slavery. They belong to the family. And so these people, they don't know what else they would do if they were not a part of this family. Um, But it is illegal in the country, and so human rights um, uh, people are still trying to officially completely abolish it. There is no official place of worship. There's no Protestant church. There's one Catholic church that is recognized in the country. Um, that church was, was built because the first president of the country was married to a French lady. And, um, and so he had the church built so she, could, she and her family and others could have a place to worship. The, country is still, the church is still there now. But the Protestants, we the evangelicals, rent a room from the Catholics. And we are really beginning to grow out of that room. And so God is opening the door uh, for, for us to have a place of worship, but we don't have authorization. 
uh, to do that. So that's a, a prayer request that we'll talk about later. Uh, but the people are generous, and they're very hospitable. Um, and, uh, and so that is one thing that God uses to give us opportunities to talk with them. There is a, a proverb, an Arabic proverb, that says, what is the greatest crime in the desert? And it's to find water and not reveal its location. You know where water is, but you don't tell others. We have the living water. We know how to find the living water. And for us not to share that with people, even though Sharia law says no proselytizing, then that would be the greatest crime of humanity, the greatest crime considered by God not to share the gospel with people who desperately need it. And so... um, when we talk about the, the video that you saw before, talked about um, in Matthew 24, that it says that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached into the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus will return. How many people want Jesus to return? I am ready. Yes. And so... There's one thing that Jesus said, though, when he was talking to his disciples in Matthew 24. He said, there, there will be some signs, but the gospel will, re, will be preached to the end of the world, to all the nations, and then the end will come. Yesterday, we showed a video about the state of um, missions in the world. There's still 29%, about 2 billion people, who have not heard, and who not only have they not heard, but there's nobody there to tell them. And so we need to be praying that God would raise up laborers to go into the harvest field, not into the harvest field where they're already harvesters, but into the harvest field where there's no one working, so people can hear, so that Jesus can return. But There's some other things that Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 24. If you just turn to Matthew 24 with me. He talks about signs of the end of the age. We can start at verse 3. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Beginning at verse 3. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. And Jesus answered him, them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. This is our newspaper today. This is our newspaper. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. 
but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So Jesus is not talking about an easy life for believers. He's talking about there are difficulties that come along with trusting Christ. Sometimes we think that when we become a Christian, that everything is going to be just fine. All the problems will go away. Everybody will love us. We will love everyone. That's pretty much the opposite of what the Bible says. And so many of us have been lulled to sleep. We, we live in the world, and we want to be a part of the world. But the Bible says, wake up. Wake up. Wake up and stand up. Stand for righteousness. Here in America, it is becoming more difficult to stand for righteousness. It's becoming more difficult to talk about what the Bible says without being um, labeled um, hate speech. But that's what we have to do. We have to stand on the side of righteousness and to speak the truth. In Matthew 24, 9, Jesus said, they will deliver you up to tribulation. Tribulation is a great state of suffering, distress, trouble, misery, and they'll put you to death. Are you willing to die for Christ? Are you willing to die for Christ? Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that a man lays down his life for his friends. That's what he did for us. In our country, um, in 2009, there was a missionary who was assassinated by al-Qaeda. And they did that because it was found out that he was sharing Christ, that he was proselytizing. And, and so that was a difficult time for all of us. He was a friend of our family. His children were friends with our children. And I, and I think that our younger daughter has not really recovered from that. But he knew, he knew that in going to this country where we are, that that's a possibility. As a matter of fact, there was a book that was written. His wife wrote a book um, and it's entitled, We Died Before We Came. And that's where we have to be. Uh, in the country where we are, we know that things can go wrong. But what we're doing is being obedient to what Jesus Christ has told us to do, to go and take the gospel to people who have not heard. But even through this, God is supreme. He said he will make everything turn out for good to those who love him. Our friend died, but but unless a grain of wheat dies and falls into the ground. And so out of his death, This lady, she's a believer, 
a national, and the son that she had on her back, she named after that missionary who was killed. And so his legacy will continue. And so God gets the victory. Death has no sting. The grave has no victory. Jesus also said in Matthew 24, 9, you will be hated, a passage is like loathed, detested by all nations for my name's sake. We want to be liked. I want people to like me. But are we going to be liked um, in place of uh, representing Christ? When the disciples were told, don't speak this name about Jesus again. They said, we will serve God rather than man. And so when we stand for righteousness, when we stand for what God has told us to do, when we stand for what the word of God says, in America, you are going to be disliked. You're going to be hated. In our country... We will be hated by some, but that's okay, because that's what our master did. That's what Jesus did. And he said we need to have that same mind, the same mind that was in Christ. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he lowered himself, allowed himself to be sacrificed, to be crucified. And so... We have to be willing to do the same. This picture, um, these guys that you see, um, a couple of them are uh, men that we know. Uh, they're believers. Uh, the other two are from another North African country where their country has gone through something that our country has yet to go through. Uh, their country has gone through a time of great trial and, 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 and tribulation for the believers so that there can be a church in, that, in their country. Um, I'll just say these guys, uh, two of these guys are from Algeria. That's not the country that we serve in. Um, this guy and this one. They're from Algeria, and they came to our country to encourage the other believers because the church is just so new. It's, such, it's like a newborn. It's like a baby. They have so many needs for discipleship, for, for truth, for the, the milk of the word. And so these guys who have been through some things in Algeria came down to encourage some of the, the brothers where we are. Um, the one in the white, he, um, he came to the Lord. So let me just tell you this brief story. Um, he, um, he had a, a dream, a vision of Jesus. He didn't know who it was, but he had this dream like three times. And this man in white, and a lot of times as a man in white, they can't see the face, it's just, it's just light. He, he came to him in this vision, he said, get up and go out. And this, this happened to him three times. And he said, I am Yeshua. I am Yeshua. And, um, and so the last time this happened, he woke up and he was outside of his house. And he told his mother, he was like, something strange is going on. The mother said, just read your Quran, just read your Quran. Um, but one day he was in a little uh, boutique, a little corner store, and um, 
and there was a man, it was a pharmacy, there was a man who was buying something, and as the man was leaving, he told the clerk, he said, uh, keep the change in the name of Yeshua. And so our friend, he said, Yeshua, that's the name of my dream. He said, can you tell me more about this Yeshua? Because I don't know who he is. The man who was buying the things from the pharmacy, he just started jumping up and down and praising God. He said he had been in that country for 10 years, praying that somebody would ask him more about the Lord. And so here, here's his friend. And, um, and so he takes him aside. He begins to disciple him. And he, he accepts the Lord. He was rejected by his family. He, was, he lost his job. And, uh, and so he went through a lot of difficulties because of that. But he knew who he believed. And he knew that God, the, the Lord Jesus Christ had saved him. Yeshua is the name that they used. And so as a result... Others have come to know him through this man's testimony. Most of the people in his family have come to know the Lord. And so we would like for things to be quick, but it takes time, especially in a country like where we serve. And so he understands what it means to be hated and, um, and rejected by family. But over time, over the years, he has been um, accepted back into his family. Jesus also said that because of the difficulties, uh, many believers will fall away. He said, you will betray one another and hate one another. We see that. People are falling away. The, the, the new generation, older people, people are not really embracing Christianity. But this, this is a sign. This is a sign of, of things to come. But let's not be one of those. Let's hold fast to the truth. Let's hold fast to Jesus. Let him be our foundation. In our country, um, there's few believers. <laughs> Very few. But some of those, they have fallen away. Sometimes they come because of what they think they can receive. We're Westerners, so they think, okay, you have money. And we don't, and it, there's a book that says when, when helping hurts, and sometimes it does hurt, because it makes them think that if I become a Christian, then all of my, all of my needs will be met. But that's not, that's not truth. And so some of them have fallen away. Some fall away because of um, rejection by family. For example, the girl that is in the picture with us, she, she was baptized. She had accepted the Lord. Um, but then her, her mother began to re-educate her. And she told us, I love Jesus, I love you, but in this country I have to be Muslim. But we believe that the Lord can still bring her back. But so people fall away for different reasons. Um, I'd like you to pray for our younger daughter, uh, the one who um, we think has been impacted a little bit more with the country that we serve in, with uh, the constant changes that we experience. 
um, and then with just the difficulties of life because we live in a fallen world and there are a lot of things that happen that perhaps impact our children a little bit more than we realize. And, um, and so just pray for her that she would, in her mind, come back to a perspective of God who is good. And there are many people who fall away because of that. They look at what's happening in the world and they look only on the surface and what they see. But the, but the Bible tells us to look at the things that are not seen. And, um, and so I just ask that you would pray for um, our daughter, pray for this young lady, her name is Jeanette, that they would see the Lord for who he is and his goodness and his righteousness. Jesus also said that lawlessness will increase and that the love of many will grow cold. We see that. We see that. He said, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, lovers of pleasure instead of lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. He's talking about our times. This lady, she's a former student. Um, and I just love her. She's, she's just so, so friendly, and we, we had really good times in class and outside. Um, one of the things in the country and, and some Muslim countries is that marriages are arranged. Um, she was pretty young when her first marriage was arranged. And um, it wasn't really her choice, but it was her, her family's choice. When I met her, she had been married. I, I'm, I can't remember how long, but she just... Okay, we teach one-on-one, -on -one, one student at a time, and we do that strategically because in the classroom, we can talk about anything, and we do. And so she would share with me um, just the difficulties that she was having in her marriage and that she wanted out, but her husband would not give her a divorce. In Islam, the husband has to be the one who agrees. Now, he can say, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you, three times, and that's it. But then he has three months to change his mind. And listen to this. And then if he wants to go back with her after that, she has to marry someone else, divorce them, and then they can get back together. This is how Satan has totally destroyed marriage in this country and, and just family, family values in this country. And then we know, you know, but anyway, so when I met her, she was, she was really agonizing about this marriage. She wanted out. And I was praying with her. I was telling her, you know, God can change her husband. He can, you know, he can make him the man you want him to be. I showed her Fireproof, the movie Fireproof, and, and uh, she really liked the movie. But her heart was set. And so this day, with her henna, she was celebrating her divorce. And... Um, and so it's not just her, but it's something that is, is just so rampant in the country where we are, that divorce, just about everybody has been divorced once. And, um, and so we just pray that God would give us opportunities to, to speak to them about his design for marriage, Christ and the church. And, um, but, but it's something that we need here in America as well.
In Revelation 2, 10, it says, But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The devil will throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. For ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. So this is a promise that as we go through difficulties, as we go through trials, as we go through um, just tribulation, that the Lord has promised um, a crown of life to those who endure to the end. And this is what we tell the people that we serve with, because it's for sure that they're going to be rejected by their family. It's for sure that they're going to be uh, intimidated. It's for sure that they're going to have a lot of difficulties. Some may lose their jobs. Um, some of the women, their husbands leave them and leave them with the children. Uh, and But if they understand this from the beginning, that we're not promising an easy life here on earth, but there's the promise of the life to come. And, um, and so that's, that's the encouragement that we give them. And so the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. There's so many people who still need the gospel. And it takes commitment. We've been there 11 years, and we've seen a few come. But God can do, and he will do, more than we can ask or think. He is not bound by time. We would like him to. You know, we'd like to put him on a time, on a schedule. Okay, God, this is the, you know, this is our plan. But at the beginning, we talked about the vision. It's not our vision, but it's his vision. And he knows what he's doing. And so we we just need to uh, be in concert with his will. Um, Oh, wait. So I, I have another video just about uh, one of the ladies that we work with. Actually, the lady who uh, makes some of the things that I have on the table in the back. Let me see if this plays. Um, Okay. So um, this is about three minutes, I think. So our journey uh, to our country started in 1993, where I was uh, praying through Operation World and found that 100% of the people in this country are Muslims. So I knew God was calling me there. So in 2006, we came. Patrick already knew how to speak French. I needed to learn a language, and so I, I decided to start with Arabic. And, um, and so one of my first language partners uh, was a lady that a lot of people had had as a language partner. Uh, we'll call her Tammy. One of her friends uh, who had known her for maybe 15 years, she said to me, you know, maybe God will use you guys with her because she's had lots of people uh, that she's worked with and she's just very resistant. We, we were hopeful, we prayed, uh, but when we met Tammy, she was strongly Muslim and everything that we said to her, she went back to the Quran. After a while, um, we have to admit we gave up. Um, but one day she came to visit us. We were busy with our center at the time. And so I invited her to 
to take a look at a video that we had. It was called More Than Dreams. So I left her watching the video and went down to teach the class. Sometime later, I came back up and she was in tears. And, uh, and I said, so what do you think? And she said, I believe. I said, what do you believe? She said, about Jesus. And my French wasn't so good. <laughs> And so I, I immediately went downstairs and I, I took her downstairs and I said, Patrick, you've you got to ask her about this. I asked her, I said, what do you believe? She says, I want to give my life to Christ. Are you serious? I said, yes. I, I thought, I mean, we've had stories like that before, but I weren't, uh, we didn't think she meant what she said. Um, but she said, yes. And so uh, then we prayed with her. I had started discipleship with her, and one day we were reading from the book of John, and she was reading about the light came into the world, and the darkness didn't understand it. And she said, she stopped, and she said, that was me. And I said, she's got it. Uh, sometime later, we were in our, in our car getting ready to go to the beach, and she shows up, and she said she was ready. We said, for what? <laughs> she said, to be baptized. We had a plastic swimming pool, so I, I set it up, and then she went in, and then she took off the malafa that she had, took it off, and then put on Kara's skirt and shirt, uncovered her head. So for the first time, for me, as a proof that she actually believed, I held her, and then touched her hair, and then baptized her. Uh, ever since she's been faithful. Uh, coming for Bible studies to see her participating and contributing I mean it's just satisfying we would like you to pray for uh, Tammy this is why we're there we know that it will take prayer and it takes p uh, prayer from people like you that will let us have results like what we had uh, through Tammy the word tells us that one plants another waters but God gives the increase and we know that many people have come and they, they planted, they've sown seed. Others have come and watered. And we're just praying now that God would just pour out his spirit. And would you pray that God would pour out his spirit in this country and that there would be a harvest. So that keeps me from having to repeat everything. <laughs> So, um, you know, Tammy continues. This is, she's been, she's known the Lord for about seven years now. And she is growing, um, maybe about five years. And she is uh, continuing. She is being bold in her faith. Um, when Patrick was last over at the country visiting um, about uh, last month, uh, she had just added onto her, her house. Now, when I say house, it's a little different from the concept of house here. It's two rooms, um, just concrete walls and dirt floor. But she added on to it, and she invited Patrick to come and say a blessing in Jesus' name over the house. She lives in the house with her sister, and there was another friend who was there. And so she's not ashamed of the fact that she is a believer in Christ. That brings, constant, that brings um, risk and she realizes that. And so just pray for her and others um, who are trying to be bold in their faith there. And that God would bring more in their family to know the Lord so that they can have others to worship with.
and your support. And so as a reminder, again, we are a chosen people, and now Tammy and others are chosen. A royal priesthood, nation, God's special possession that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul, live such good lives among pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And so we pray that you would, you would pray for us that we would live such good lives amongst the people in the country where we live, that they will come to us and they will want to know more about the God we serve, who is so different from the one that they serve. And pray for yourselves that you also will live such good lives that your neighbors, your co-workers, your classmates will come to you and want to know more about the God you serve. And so... You already heard about Peculiar People from, I think, in August, but I do this little acronym because I used to work for the government, so we do that. Um, people, Peculiar People, people evangelizing cross-culturally using love, integrity, and relationships to expand Christ's kingdom. So be peculiar. Be a peculiar person. So we do missions conferences. We hear stories. And we plan the next missions conference. But God's word won't return to him void. And every time you hear something, you have a responsibility. What are you going to do about it? So where will you be his witness? You may not come over to North Africa where we are. We welcome you. But I know that you are serving this community. Continue to serve this community. There's also Envision, um, Alliance has um, Envision, which there's short-term trips, and there's ministry in, uh, in Cleveland um, that you can be a part of. There's a Refugee Impact Collaborative uh, that works with refugees in this, in this area, Cama Services, um, CD100, um, Central District 100. They want to keep 100 people in the pipeline for missions, so if you feel that God is calling you to missions, then contact them so that you can be um, included in that. And there's there's different kinds of su support and whatnot that and training that they have. And then marketplace ministries, if you feel that God is calling you, and you're not you're not clergy, you're not um, you haven't gone through like ordination or anything like that. And marketplace ministries, marketplace ministries is open to lay people who feel that God is calling them to missions. You have a skill. You have the biblical foundation um, and, and knowledge. But you have a skill. You have a talent. And you feel that God is calling you to a particular place, to a particular people. Then Marketplace Ministries is an avenue that you can use to, to go there. Uh, for international ministries, it takes, it takes time. You know, at least two years to do home service and and whatnot. But marketplace ministry is just like tent making. You just go set up your tent and, and share Christ. Um, so those are different ways. Just pray about how God might want you to be involved in
fulfilling the Great Commission. That was the last thing on Jesus' mind before he ascended to heaven. And so it should be the first thing on our mind. And so some partnership opportunities with, with, uh, with us in, in uh, North Africa. You can join our prayer team. There's, we, I have a, a sign-up sheet in the back if you want to get our, our updates. Um, we try to do it monthly. Sometimes we fail. Um, but we send out prayer letters and you can, so you can pray with others or you can just pray for us. We really appreciate that. We need prayer. You can um, f- support financially. Um, come teach English. Come for a month. Teach a class. Get to know some people who are really different from you, but who are the same. Um, we'll train you how to do that. You can come pray. There's a house of prayer that we have, and the purpose of it is just to have teams of people or individuals to come to the country to pray for our country, and we have seen God do some incredible things as a result of people coming from France, from Korea, from, from Africa, from America, from uh, just different places who come to the country just to pray. If there's a guest house there so you can stay, and, and a lot of times people do like a 24-hour prayer, um, and it's not just for our country, but just for, you know, for, for the gospel to go into all of these unreached places. Um, there's the orphanage. You can come and, and help with the orphanage. Um, and then, or just make a vision trip and see, does God want me here? What does he want to do? And if not with us, then somewhere. Okay. Um, and so as you pray about your involvement, please pray for us also. Um, that we would have God's heart for the people that we serve. Sometimes they can be frustrating. (laughs) We make really good arguments. And so we're waiting. Okay, now you're ready. No. And so we're waiting on God to really work on their hearts, but pray that we would have his heart for them. Uh, We need wisdom and discernment in every situation, um, that um, God would send kingdom-focused workers to join us, not just people who are coming to teach English as a job, but who have the focus for the kingdom. Um, for sincere, dedicated, spirit-filled national believers, uh, wisdom for our daughters and, and, um, and for their future, um, and that there would be a pastor sent to work at the international church because as, as it grows, it's elder-led, and all the elders have other things that they're doing. Like my husband, you know, he's got a lot more on his plate, but he's an elder in the international church there. And so we've been praying that God would send someone who can just pass through that flock and really be focused on on them. And uh, as, as a matter of fact, um, next month, uh, my husband will be going with a couple who, who um, are responding to that, who feel that perhaps God is calling them uh, to, to be there. So just pray that God would make it clear um, to Jack and Joy, who will be going with Patrick next month. And then also for the written authorization for the Protestants to have a church. We have a building, but we don't have the authorization to hold church. If we start having church, the church will be closed down. And we will be arrested. It's what they've done before. So just if you could just pray about those things, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, and I just have one, one last um, video to show you of just some scenes from our country and um, just um, for you to have something visual 
to, uh, to think about as you pray. And I would encourage each of you um, not just to let this talk be just a talk, but that you would really seek the Lord about how he wants you to be involved in getting the gospel to the unreached. Because I'm ready for him to come back. Everything is, is in place, um, it seems. But the gospel needs to go forth. People need to hear the message of truth, the message of hope. Because we do live in a, in a fallen world. And so um, this last video is um, it's just things from our country. And... Uh, Oh, no, no, no. When the year That's not it. Sorry.
Father, we thank you for um, our time to today. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in North Africa. Thank you for the love that you have for the people. And I pray for the body here at Akin Alliance, Lord, that you would speak to each one, that you would remind them of, of your call in their lives, that you would show them exactly how you would have them to be a part of fulfilling your great commission. And we thank you for your love. We thank you that you are sovereign, that you are in control. Just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.